Greetings, Hope Church family. We're glad you're joining us online. Uh, thank you for being with us and just your desire to be part of God's people and study his word together. We do hope that you're considering as you're able physically and with, with health concerns uh, to come join us physically. We just want to encourage that. You'll, you'll be hearing this week of us uh, just the week after Easter, ramping up the things that we do on Sunday morning, including our growth hour, which we've been speaking about now for a few months. That starts kicking in literally the week after Easter. But it is time when you are able. If, if, it, if it's health reasons, we understand. But for any other reason, just out of habit, the temptation, just to, the ease of pajamas and coffee on the couch rather than the gathering with the people of God, please note that the liturgy of gathering the, the habit and practice of that is itself an important spiritual act of worship and obedience, not only for you but for your children, and it's a ministry. How do you minister to your brothers and sisters if you're not with them physically? So I want to encourage you. I've, I've said that the last few weeks at the start of the sermon. I want to encourage you. If there's a reason other than COVID that, that's keeping you at a distance from your brothers and sisters in Christ, please hear this exhortation to obey the Lord and to return to us. Uh, we miss you and we need you. You've been uh, elected from before the creation of the world to do works which God prepared beforehand, Ephesians 2.10. You cannot do those without being with us, so join us. We are continuing in our series, Entrusted to You, in the book of 1 Timothy. We just finished three heavy weeks in a very difficult text. And now we move on to, after talking about the office of pastor elder, now we move on, and we're only literally hitting one verse today, verse one in chapter three, because it introduces the offices of the church. I'm gonna give you an overview of that and hit that from a larger perspective to help explain how the Lord designed the leadership in managing an organizational structure of the church. Like, how did God design the church to function at an organizational, institutional level? That's what we'll talk about this morning. But before we do, let me just pray. Father, hear our prayers, we ask. Our prayers for healing physically in our land and, Lord, other lands. We pray that, that, the, that this COVID would, would we'd be released from its hold. Lord, there are people that are hurting deeply, spiritually, emotionally, and of course, physically, in this difficult year we've had. Father, it's coming on exactly a year that we were struck with this, this plague and uh, even for a season of 13 horrible weeks where we didn't even meet together physically because of the pandemic. So Lord, we, it's been a year and we're still masked up and limited and, and, and just beginning to deal with the vaccinations and uh, the relaxation so we can return to some set of normal. So we ask, Father, in the midst of that, that your church would be unified, which it has not always been, not just globally, but even here at this church. You'd help us to be faithfully aligned and physically present and returning to serve you as we're called. Father, help us to break those bad habits of not gathering together, neglecting to meet together as Hebrews warns us against. And help us this morning just to hear your word to understand how you designed your church to function, not just with us physically present, but even how it's organized. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the text introduces a key word, the office of overseer. That's what the ESV translates. 
Overseer is a word that we'll talk about in a few minutes, can mean simply pastor. It can even just mean elder. Here the sense is overseer. And probably the root of the Greek word is someone who oversees something, like somebody in a position of authority. But, but you'll notice it says the word office. An office, this, this position of duty and authority. And this morning I want to introduce to you at a larger level, but kind of springboarding from this verse about how God designed the church to be organized and structured. And he created two offices of the church, the pastor elder office and the deacon, and that all ministries are functioning underneath those roles. But before we do that, I want to give a little bit bigger picture. How does the Bible describe the ministers of the church. Like when you hear the word a minister, you probably think of minister in a formal sense, like a reverend or a pastor, a minister. He's a minister, someone might say about someone else. But I want to tell you that the word is actually defined much more broadly in the Bible. Because every Christian is united to Christ. If you're a believer, you are united to Christ. And since therefore they all share in the ministry of Christ. Like Christ, as Christ was sent by the Father, so Christ sends us into the world to be his representatives, to be ambassadors for Christ. So by nature, by becoming a Christian, we all become participants in the office of Christ, the priestly office of Christ. Well, one beautiful way of understanding how Jesus in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, fulfills all the old covenant is to see that in the Old Testament that there were, there were three offices and roles for God's people and in the world. There, there, were, there was the prophetic and the priestly and the kingly, like those three offices that you'll see almost like our three branches of government in the United States. So Israel had a prophetic, a word office that God spoke through key individuals, what is most true and right. There was the priestly office, the work of the ministry in the Old Testament. And then there's the kingly, the rule in the Old Testament. God, through word, through work, and through rule, managed and organized his people in and for the world and for themselves. Christ fulfilled all of those. He is the great and true prophet. He is the final word of God. He is the priest. He accomplished the work of God. And he is the king. He oversees and rules on behalf of God. And so in that sense, there is a similar derived authority that we have. We too, we aren't the prophet, but we preach Christ and him crucified. That's our word. The word that he is, we proclaim. We minister under Christ, uh, that priestly office. We share in that. We're the hands of Jesus. We're, we're, the, we're the feet that go. We're the mouth that speaks. We're the hugs that are given but also even with level of authority. A church has a spiritual authority over one another, discipling, mentoring, caring for one another, even at times disciplining. Uh, scripture is used to rebuke and to train and correct in righteousness. So all of those offices are given to Christ, and then we have a derived authority. So when you think about the ministers in the church, you need to hear that ultimately Christ is accomplished this work, but our connection to him means we now participate in that. So when you say, when, when I say, what are the ministers of the church? There's three ways you can be understood. The church serves as ministers in a corporate sense. That is, as priests among the nations. 
Scripture tells how God had always intended for his people to be a priest to the nations. Now again, don't, don't get snagged on the word priest. That's the language you see throughout the Old Testament that you see in regard to Christ as our true high priest. That in different tr Christian traditions actually used in different and more formal ways. Uh, Protestants have preferred to use the word pastor or shepherd because for them, priests had too much baggage with their Roman Catholic brothers and sisters where there was too much emphasis, they believed, on the mediating work of human priests other than Jesus. Protestants have said, no, 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 we don't mediate in a true and pure and technical sense between God and other people, Christ is the mediator. Christ is the true high priest. But, but don't let that then miss, though, that the Bible uses that language to talk about a ministerial role. Israel was called to be priests to the nations. What started with Israel in Genesis 12, where all the nations were to be blessed through these people, has now been extended and included in the church. The church is intended to represent God in the world. We are to be a city on a hill, not America, not any one human secular nation. The church, the kingdom of God, a city on a hill, drawing the nations and pointing the nations to the light of their true creator, their gracious savior, and their ruling Lord. So this is how a church, and this is the imagery that we've used around here, we are an embassy of the kingdom. We are literally a missionary outpost. And as a corporate body, we point to the nations through our worship, through the words that we use, through the way we engage with our community. We are a corporate body, a ministering body that represent Christ in the world in our local community. In every church, in every part of the world, is to be doing that in a corporate sense. But the church also ministers in a second sense. That church serves as ministers in an individual sense. Corporately, it's the priest among all nations. Individually, it's the priesthood of all believers. Scripture also teaches that every Christian has a ministry privilege and duty as part of the people of God. Martin Luther said it this way, if you are a Christian, you are a minister. And then his exhortation was, be the church. All Christians have the authority in Christ to know God. All Christians can study his word. And all Christians have a responsibility to serve God and to teach his word. It is both a right and a responsibility. I, I think a, a verse that we have used for a long time, at least in the last year specifically, is Ephesians 4.12, which specifically says that God has established pastors and teachers and shepherds to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That is emphasizing, Ephesians 4.12 is emphasizing the priesthood of all believers. So there's two senses. One is the corporate sense. We as a church, this body represent Christ in the community and participate in that witness in the world. But we as a body are also a collection of individuals who serve as the priesthood of all believers, ministering to one another and serving as missionaries in every nook and cranny in our community. So there's a corporate sense of minister, there's an individual sense of minister, and then there's last a restricted sense of minister. 
And that would be for the office of pastor and elder. And that's what verse 3.1 is talking about. Christ has established and gifted for the office of pastor elder certain individuals. They are literally under shepherds over Christ's sheep. So none of this is to deny that in a corporate sense our whole church is a priesthood among the nations in our community. None of this is to deny that all of us have a priesthood of believers of all believers serving and ministering in various capacities in and outside the church. Yet even still, there is an office within the church, a restricted sense that is the office of pastor elder. These shepherds and teachers are not a higher order than the congregation at all. In fact, it's the opposite. The London Baptist Confession, a congregational document, historic now, as we are congregational, says this that the pastors and elders are chosen by the collective vote of the church itself. Meaning the church congregationally selects qualified men. There's that gender distinction we talked about last week. Qualified men to then serve in this office of pastor elder where then they are given by the congregation a level of authority freed from the duties in most situations, freed from the duties from working outside of the church so that they can help lead and direct and do their activities. They're qualified because of the biblical qualifications we'll talk about in the next couple sermons. They're qualified because of the gifting and skill set and even training. The people that are often selected for that office, especially at a staff level, are those who have been specifically trained to lead and instruct teach, training in God's word, etc. Now those are the three senses of ministers. So if somebody says, who are the ministers of your church? You could say in one sense, well, it's the pastors and elders, and I could name them for you. That's the restricted sense. You could say, well, actually, the whole church is minister in a corporate sense, priesthood among the nations. But please don't forget that second like individuals, the priesthood of all believers. Every Christian, like Luther would say to you, you should say, I am a minister in my church. So when we look at that verse, you hear Paul say, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. If I were to step back a bit and look at this verse in context, you'll see that in the first 13 verses of chapter 3, Verse 1 introduces this single, single office of pastor elder. Then there's several verses explaining the qualifications of that. Then a few verses down, another office is mentioned, is the office of the deacon. And let me just define those two for you. In a sense, what I'm going to talk about for the next seven or eight minutes is going to be to explain what verses 1 through 13 are saying. And I'm using verse 1 as a springboard. The Bible establishes two offices in the church. Again, what's an office? It's a position of duty and authority. Think of the office of the presidency, right? Men occupy it, and then a new man comes in, one whether you voted for or not, right? Whether it was Barack Obama or Donald Trump or Joe Biden, the office is the same. Different, different individuals occupy the office. But the office is a position, not just a person, but a position of duty and authority that has a role to play and has a responsibility and, 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 and an authority that comes with it. In the church, there are two offices, 
that are ordained by God to oversee the various aspects of the church. One of them is called pastor elder and the other is called deacon. Please hear this about these two before I define them. Both are needed to fulfill not only what Christ commands the church to do, but also what the church needs. Like both are needed. And both must qualify in both character and conduct. Meaning to be in either of these offices, you have to have certain qualifications met that the rest of chapter 3 verses 1 through 13 will lay out for us each office and a turn. So first, let me talk about the pastor elder. The office of pastor elder attends to the spiritual needs of the church. It deals with the soul. That's just my summaries. Think soul. For the deacon, I'm going to say think body. But for pastor elder, think soul. The Bible uses several titles for this office. Verse 1 here in 1 Timothy 3 says overseer, but it also uses language of pastor. Other places, words that translate elder, they're all talking about the same office. In fact, I think one mistake that we make, and I've, I've addressed this before in our church body, is sometimes we even separate the word pastor from elder. Right? So somebody will call me Pastor Mickey, but they'll speak to Ed Titcom or Ed Kipp or Neil Nyer or Brian Ott, and I could name them all, they, they might refer to one of them as elder. Well, he is an elder and he is a pastor. See, that's why you're going to see me, even in the notes this morning or the words that I'm going to say, call it the office of pastor elder. I put in both words because I don't want you to think office of pastor and it's referring to me and not Neil Nyer. I don't want to say it's the office of the elder because then you think it's talking about Neil Nyer and it's not talking about me. The distinction is not in the office or the authority or even the role. The distinction is whether it's a staff pastor elder or a lay pastor elder, meaning I am freed from teaching in a college and seminary coming on seven years ago. I was released from that duty so I could spend full time meeting, caring for people, even including this morning, meeting with a brother in our church at 6.30 because I didn't have to go teach a class at 8 o'clock. I could literally be present at 6.30 this morning with a meeting tonight at 6 p.m. with a family in our church because I don't have to teach an evening class or an early morning class. I've been released from that. I'm a staff pastor elder. Whereas other brothers who are still, whether it's Brian Ott, working at Auburn High School, right? He, he's a lay pastor elder. Same office, same authority, same role. But I'm able to bear some of the office duties in a more uh, detailed and kind of laborious way so that he's free to do what he does at Auburn High School, and I'm freed from my teaching to do here. But we could easily switch. I could go back to the classroom, and he could leave the classroom and his coaching responsibilities at Auburn and come work here full-time, and we would still be part of that same office of pastor elder. That's important because for a bit too long now, business models of organization and structure have kind of crept into the church. And we kind of think of a senior pastor, especially the, the, the title, the staff title I hold, as almost being like a CEO. That's not the biblical model. Jesus is the CEO. The actual biblical model is that there are pastors and elders, an office of pastor and elder that holds that authoritative role in the church. I have no more authority than any of the other pastor elders in that office because I'm not in a distinct office. In fact, to be honest with you, the Bible doesn't even mention senior pastor. Other than anything senior is about Jesus. 
These are structures we make to try to helpfully organize distinguishing roles. The Bible only talks about the office of the pastor elder. We need to hear that. And you need to know how your church functions. When we have our pastor elder office meetings, I have no more authority than anybody else in that room. I have one vote, they have one vote. We all speak and discuss together because that's how God designed that office to function. The responsibility of the the pastor elder reflecting the institutional nature of the church is to shepherd the congregation. 1 Peter 5, 1-4 talks about how it's supposed to be done in humility and care. And and it was in Acts that you first see this bubbling up, the needs in the church, is that the the literally in the early church, the the early disciples and apostles were, were preaching and leading the spiritual work of ministry, but there's all these physical needs that were popping up. And it was in Acts 6, verse, really verse 4, but Acts, early part of Acts 6, where you see the early church saying, Lord, how are we supposed to lead? And God led them by the Spirit to establish two offices, one that would focus on word and prayer, the soul, and one that would work as, focus on the body, and that's the office of the deacon. So if the office of pastor elder attends to spiritual needs in the church, the office of deacon attends to the physical needs of the church. Again, pastor elder thinks soul, deacon think body. The office of deacon gets its title from a word which means servant. Diakonos is the Greek word, diakonos. If you're a kid sitting there and you're listening today, go home and say, hey mom, What's the Greek word for servant? Diakonos. That's where we, you can hear it. Diakonos. Deacon. Comes right from that word. It literally means servant. It reflects the nature of that ministry. The responsibility of the deacon is to serve the congregation and to oversee its ministry of care and support. In a lot of churches, it can function differently, but, but and even in ours. like we, We've kind of developed over over decades now, almost two different terms for what is technically in the Bible, deacon. We have a diaconate board, and we have a trustee board, and both of those fall under the ministry of deacon, but they handle things in different ways. Uh, The trustee board is, uh, even this morning, fixing things in Fellowship Hall, changing something with electrical, some of the gifting of mostly our men serving in that way, uh, going to someone's home and repairing a sink, giving somebody a ride to and from when they need it for a medical visit. Uh, Our helping hands ministry very much flows under the heartbeat of what it means to be a deacon. That's caring for the physical bodily needs of the church, whether it be the building or it even be the people. But that same ministry under what we call the diaconate is loving care. Visitation teams is the ministry of the diaconate. Physical counting, meal preparation, caring for somebody when they need those things. That's how the diaconate works. And a lot of times it's simultaneous. That is, there might be a physical need of meals, but there might be a spiritual need from the office of pastor elder, maybe a pastoral visit along with diaconate care simultaneously happening. But you see how like a right and left leg, God made the church to care about the soul and the body in the way it's organized through these two offices. Ultimately, the office of deacon was established to support the office of pastor elder. Again, read the beginning of Acts 6. It works with, but also under the office of pastor elder. For ultimately, the office of pastor elder is what is called 
with, with, the, with the conviction and the affirmation of the congregation, pastors and elders lead the church serving as under-shepherds of Christ, who is the chief shepherd. So there's that picture. When you think of minister, what do you think of? I mean, that would be like a discussion question. You're watching this from home and not driving home from church today, unfortunately. But, but if you were to kind of stop this and say, okay, what's a, who is a minister? I would hope you'd say, well, the whole church is, but, and everybody in the church is, but so it would be technically or in a rigid sense a pastor elder and, and, and in the office of deacon. And then you say, well, what are the two offices in the church? Like, how did God des- design the structure? Uh, for the soul, think pastor elder. For the body, think deacon. Those are those two offices of duty and authority that minister to the spiritual and physical needs of God's people. So we come finally then and in closing to this statement Paul makes. He says this. He says, this saying is trustworthy. And if you remember, it's been a few weeks now, that throughout the pastoral letters, Paul says this five times. And every time, he's explaining something true and related to the gospel, something that flows from or explains the gospel. It's a statement of emphasis. It's like Paul saying, listen to what I'm about to say. And here's what he's saying, that there is an importance of ministers in the church. The, office, the offices of pastor and elder and of deacon are important. The church needs, these are my words, the church needs skilled and qualified shepherds. And it is a good thing for a person to desire. That's what Paul's saying. It says, if anyone, it's, Paul says, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he's not assuming all would, he's not assuming all could, or even if all should. But he's focusing on those who might. And even that word aspire, the the term elsewhere in the New Testament suggests that Paul's meaning here is not some dreamy-eyed advancement to a posh appointment, but enlistment in a duty that is always exacting and often thankless. I was sitting with a a younger brother that, that ultimately have moved away from this area, but that were part of our church. This is several years ago now. We're sitting at Jessica's having breakfast. And he was talking about you know, growing in his own ability as a leader at work, etc., cetera, and, and, and how he sees himself as having good ideas for leadership in an organization. And he started to talk about ministering in the church. And he said specifically that, you know what, I mean, I think I would make a good pastor elder. And again, he's bumping into this language of Verse 1, chapter 3 here, our text for today. But I could tell real quick that when he was asking about that and kind of probing about what's it like to be a pastor elder, his view of it was a position of power. Not all in a selfish way, but that he could make changes. He could see things happen the way he thought they should go. Like it was a, a board of trustees, an executive board in some CEO where we have these fancy lunches and we're sitting in this high tower overlooking the city, making these leadership decisions distinct from on the ground where life and ministry happen. And he said, so how would you describe what it's like to be a pastor elder? And here's what I said. I said, are you willing to suffer And he kind of looked at me with surprise. Suffer? I said, yeah. Are you willing to suffer? Because to be honest with you, being a pastor elder means 
you minister like Christ. And do you know what Christ did? Did you see him in executive committee meetings all the time? Was he sitting around in the temple with, with, with grapes and fruits around him, with servants refilling his glass of water or wine as he sat there in a big golden chair making executive decisions about the religious institution of the day. He was with the sick. He was with the broken. He was with the Pharisees. He was with the Sadducees. He he was with people who hated his guts, who didn't understand him. He ultimately suffered, ministered in and with the people. We have a tendency to, to, to miss that. We think it's about power. That's what we see. You want to be a president, you want power. You want to be a governor, you want power. You want to be the boss, you want power. But that's the opposite in the church. Remember what we've learned even about uh, the office of pastor elder, about the role of a man as we looked at the last few weeks? What did Jesus say? It's about denying self. It's about death to self. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. It's about modeling Christ. Why did Paul say this? Why would he have to say, it's a good thing if you want to? Why would he have to say, it's a noble task, or, 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 or translated differently, it's a good work? Is it because there was a focus on celebrity in, his, in the church in Timothy's uh, congregation? Was there a, a, a not a regular care in shepherding? Was it, was it trying to encourage Maybe even a person like Timothy or other young men in his church. Brothers, this is burdensome. This will be hard. It will be a struggle. But it is a noble task. The church needs leaders. But I even I'm leery of that word. No, the church needs shepherds who are willing to suffer like Christ and for Christ. Not seeking power. Not seeking money not seeking fame, but willing to suffer, willing to cry with those who cry. It is not about leading and succeeding. Brothers and sisters, we have so distorted what it means to be a leader in a church through modern business world and success. I love the book by John Piper that says, brothers talking to pastors, brothers, we are not professionals. If you have a question about what he means by that, read that book. It is not about leadership and success. It's about crying and dying. What I said to that young man in Jessica's booth, there right alongside that window when you come in on the right, to, on the right from that front door, what I said in that first booth sitting right there, I said, it is not about leading and succeeding. It is about crying and dying. If you want to be a pastor elder, it is about crying and dying. Maybe that's why Paul has to say, or God has to say to us today, If you desire to enlist in that duty, the office of overseer, pastor, elder, you desire a noble task. Brothers and sisters, just by way of closing, if you are a Christian, you may not be qualified or selected to be in the restricted sense in the office of pastor, elder. You may not be qualified or selected to be in the office of deacon. Again, two offices we'll talk more about our next two weeks as the text fleshes them out. But if you are a Christian, you are a minister in your local church. And I say that to you even though literally as a staff meeting this week, we're talking about needs we have. We, we cannot fill. Literally, we do not have enough people to help watching our children on Sunday morning. And we realize COVID is at that. 
people not being back, not feeling safe or concerns about health risks, but we literally do not have enough people now. And we're listing of names that we can call out and, and, and maybe call upon. Or do we announce it again on Sunday morning? Because we don't have enough people asking, willing to enlist themselves to serve. Brothers and sisters, if you are a Christian, you are a minister in your church. And I'm not saying it's necessarily just with our children. I'm just saying if you are a healthy and growing disciple of Jesus Christ, then how are you ministering? Because if Christ has ministered to you, then he has automatically assigned you to minister to others. And I say that not to guilt you at all. I say that because through such words, the Holy Spirit might work and grab your heart and direct your will, rebuke and correct or encourage for those of you who are already serving to remind you that you are all ministers. We're a corporate body of ministers. There's a restricted sense of the minister, pastor, elder, or deacon. But then there's also the individual priesthood of all believers. And in this COVID season, this moment in our church's life, in our community's life, you are needed more now than ever. Hear that word and, and may the Lord use it to you in your life this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gospel. Thank you that you sent Jesus to be our priest and minister to us. Thank you that you've selected all of us to be the, the priesthood among the nations. And I pray that our witness at Hope, as Hope Church would literally be a city on a hill in a community that needs the gospel. Father, thank you for the pastors and elders, the, the 12 men between already elected pastor elders and then the two elders in training. Thank you for those brothers, and some of whom have served for a long time faithfully shepherding weeping, ministering, caring, wrestling, bearing the burden of the weight of ministry for this local church. Thank you for them. I pray, Father, you would raise up more men who are willing to enlist for such a duty, that they would see it as a noble task and be qualified by your word to do so. But Father, I pray that you would help, especially in this season where it is easy to be customers and consumers and not Christians in the local church that you would help every believer see that they are ministers and they have a responsibility and authority and a duty to serve under King Jesus who already has served for them. Father, thank, I pray you'd bless brothers and sisters who are listening, that you'd bring them back to us soon and safely. Thank you for this opportunity to reach them through this technology, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.